0: Welcome back to Kafaru Cast, everyone. I've got Frank the Tank across from me, fletching arrows. Uh, Frank, are we paying you to do that? Yes. I can't really say anything about it because he learned by watching me. But we have the great Levi Morgan on the mic today. What's up, man?
1: Not much. Just uh, getting ready for this weekend. I
0: tell you what, you have been beating the brakes off of everyone this year. Did did COVID like do something to you? What happened?
1: <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> you know, I didn't practice crazy amounts during during the break but I think it was just good for me mentally to kind of reset because it's been like 14 years since I had any kind of break from shooting and so I think it was just good for me to hang out and clear my head and just kind of be motivated to go out and, and win again
0: yeah how much uh you because you, so you won the first IBO and the first ASA of the year didn't you
1: well we had an ASA before COVID and I got four in that one uh but i felt like i was probably shooting the best i'd shot in a long time when covid hit and so then we had like a two and a half month break and then we had an ibo and an asa in the last three weeks so gotcha and
0: you won you won both those pretty handily. Yeah, i won you?
1: both those yeah since since the break i've won both shoots yep gotcha
0: not not to detour from uh bow life levi but I haven't paid attention. How's Tim doing in the senior pro class? Because last year he was doing really well. Is he still doing good?
1: Oh yeah, he's won. He's won both the ones back from the break too, and he's a half a thumb less of a man.
0: I noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> you, I mean, if you were gonna like rub a crystal ball and guess who would blow their thumb off with an air gun, oh yeah, you'd, you'd pick Tim.
1: No question about it. <laughs> 100 like a BB gun he's a he is a ticking time bomb <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it
0: wasn't was it wasn't a bb gun but it was like a bb gun wasn't
1: it it was one of those competition air rifle things I, i'm pretty sure because he was getting into all that like he was competing in in those competitions too and and so i'm not sure what happened i can only guess that he did something that he shouldn't have done <laughs> <laughs> like pull a bow back with no arrow in it and hit the trigger like he's done about 40 times yeah. during the tournament <laughs>
0: yeah he it's funny because um there there's a new range finder out on the on the market that um they put the archers advantage sight tape program in it and oh i got one of the first to, or i might have got the first to test it and you know i I had like you know the the engineer talked to me before he sent it out. I think he just wanted to figure out if I knew I was full of shit or not Um, when it came to uh, angle comps and cut charts and everything. And I we ran the numbers and I said, "Hey man, yes, send it out." And uh, it was funny yesterday. I saw a post, and of course Tim said it's not perfect. I could do better, and I'm like, "Well, Tim, unless it's a learning." If unless you put a brain in that thing. Like, you can't get it any better than what we've got. Uh, you know, and, and I don't know if you've – have you seen that thing, that that, that ring? No, ring? I, I – this is the first I've heard of it. Mm. <laughs> Man, I'll, I'll have them send you one when we get off this. Um, what's cool is, like, uh, so yesterday we were um, – or day before, Amy and I were shooting, and so – 32-degree angle, um, and hers is set up for straight-line distance, right, to, to cut the angle. And her rangefinder right. said 27, and mine said 24.8. So then I got the clinometer out and then did the cut chart, and I was within, like, 0.2 yards of perfect with oh, wow. the new one because of you're, you're ending your data from your bow in there. So it marries it up to your bow. Now – you give right. it to your buddy, and he's got a 39-inch draw length, and you got a 24. The shit's not going to marry up. But for your specific bow, it's it's real good for, for angle comp.
1: Oh, yeah, dude. That's been needed for a long time. Because, like, on sheep hunts and stuff, I carry a cut chart, and I've got two different rangefinders, one set for line of sight and one set for angle compensating. So I'm like, there's a lot of smoke coming out of my ears when I'm getting ready to shoot something on an ankle. I'm trying to. See if my rangefinder lines up with my cut chart, and like last year on my sheep hunt, it wasn't real steep of an angle. It was probably like eighteen degrees or something like that, and my rangefinder told me to shoot it for one hundred one, and my cut chart shed said to shoot it for ninety nine. So I ended up just splitting the difference on it and shooting it for a hundred. But yeah, well, and there's
0: a lot of redneck deductive reasoning on the side of a mountain where I've ranged. You know, and it's out 78, and I'm like, yeah, I think I'll put my 78 right at the bottom of its heart and hit it high in the lungs. Right. At, I remember back in the day was there's no angle cut before I started using one on my forearm, missing shit by, like, three feet high. Like, what's going yep. on?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know my first sheep hunt, if it hadn't been for Gillingham, I'd have missed it for sure. He told me before I went, he's like, don't trust your range finder. He said, those things are only accurate out to 20 degrees. This has been years ago but so i went out and shot my own stuff in and he was right so i had to i built my own cut chart before i went and it i think my rangefinder it was a 35 degree angle i think on that stone sheep, and then it said to shoot it for 63 yards or something like that and i ended up shooting it for 56 or 57 like it was like five yards off like i would have shot over its back no question you know and so yeah i said, i'm glad to hear somebody built one like that
0: well, before I link you up in a text and you're like, why are you giving my phone number out? Um, do you mind if I link you guys up in a text? I'll have them get one out to you.
1: No, that'd be awesome. Okay, cool.
0: Um, it's Riza, so I don't know what she'll, I can't promise you what she'll send after that.
1: Um, well, I think Risa. Don't, 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 don't send her a text. I don't want to talk to Risa. I'm joking. <laughs> I, I love Reza. She's funny. Oh,
0: Lord. Yeah. So man, I wanted to cover today one, um, your YouTube page. So that way people don't send me as many questions and they can just go to your YouTube page to learn. So what do you got going on with that? And where can, what, what, what's the YouTube page? What, what are they going to learn on that thing?
1: Well, you know, we've always kind of had YouTube, but we didn't really go in depth with stuff uh, because I was so busy shooting all the time. And, uh, Always something I wanted to do, but it's just hard when you're out just trying to get ready for tournaments every weekend to put out really detailed content. So um, what we did during this break and COVID, we just took the time. We wanted to teach people, and uh, there's a lot of bad information out there. So we were like, well, let's do some series covering some topics. And so we started uh, our our YouTube is Bow Life TV on YouTube. And then in that, we did a series called BowLife Life Boot Camp. And so we covered all kinds of stuff from Target Panic. We did a four-week series on Target Panic and, and uh, how to beat Target Panic, what causes it, because there's a million different things that can cause it. And then uh, we did stuff on aiming and arrow building and down the line. So we, we are going to continue to put out content for sure on there. Uh, we were doing it every week. Um, but now that tournaments are back fired up, full swing, I don't know that we'll be able to push it out that quick, but we're going to continue to put content on there.
0: Well, there you go, people. Don't send me any questions. Go to Levi's. You should uh, <laughs> You
1: should send Luke over to the target panic section.
0: Oh, have you have you followed along with any of the gambling between us and Gladiators Unleashed? Yeah, your,
1: yeah. yeah a little bit. I, I see on there. I don't comment, but I watch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come out there one day. I want to come shoot with you guys. It looks like a lot of fun.
0: Well, I can tell you, if you do, Luke is going to be extremely excited uh, because he really wants to see me get the shit kicked out of me. Um, In fact, he was like, literally, I could see him brewing in his mind the people he could bribe to get out here to take money from me, little fucker.
1: Maybe I'll bring Justin Hannah. <laughs> me and Justin will come out.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't. I was telling Luke. I said. I said. I said. I think with a pin bow, I could probably run with Levi and not embarrass myself too much. I'm like, but we do unknown yardage and in, in a scope. I. I it's gonna. It, it's not gonna be good.
1: <laughs> Dude, I, I can bring my hunting bow. I'll bring my hunting bow. We'll just. We'll just have fun. That'd, that'd be good with me. I. I don't care. I don't. I'm not afraid to lose.
0: The. Uh, I um. I, what I would really like, honestly, is to get you and Dudley and Cam McCarthy and Hannah and a few guys out here. Because I, when you shoot locally, um, like people and haven't, how am I trying to say this? I don't think people realize how good you are without pumping your tires up too much. Like, I'm like, because Luke, he was somewhat enamored after that one shoot about how i shot and i'm like yeah dude, it's not that good i'm like i could shoot man but these guys are on a different level and unless you shoot beside someone like yourself it's hard to explain because what do you what are you hitting probably 70 percent 12s on unknown 3d
1: uh that's a really good day yeah but i mean you got to hit 50 percent if you're gonna win and not hit eight you know if you hit 50 percent and shoot clean pretty clean you you got a good chance of winning um now like ibo i'd like to i'd like to hit 50 to 70 more 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 on the line to 70 percent, 11 and i think the best i've ever done is i've hit 32 out of 40 w- without a range finder so i did that twice. oh good god what does uh doesn't does wallace have the highest
0: score ever shot in a an ASA or IBO, doesn't he have? To no, think.
1: he has, well, he has the highest score ever shot before 14. So that was back in around 2000. Um, and then with 14s, I have the highest score, and Darren Christianberry has the second highest score. What was it with 14s? What'd you end up? I shot 62 up with 14s. Um, Sweet, baby at, Jesus. I had an ASA one year, yeah. And second with 60 up. So, <laughs>
0: were you running around like Talladega Nights?
1: Like I'm on fire. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was actually my first win as a pro. Oh no, <laughs> I set that record. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that was the one I was getting ready to quit because I didn't think I could win, and I shot 62 up and set a record, and, and kind of went from there. You drop dropped the mic and, like, uh,
0: Rick James did, yeah. what five fingers say to the face, bitch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, well, it was one of those deals where you, that was when the 14s were in play, and that was actually inside-out scoring. So if you touched the line on the 14, it was an 8. So you had to hit it inside-out for it to score a 14. And um, so Darren Christenberry um, – do you know who Darren is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he, that was kind of when he was like on fire and winning everything. And the first four targets, I shot four tens and he hit four fourteens and I was 16 points back. And I was like, well, I'm just going to lay it all out here. I'm by, I'm getting ready to either crash the car or win, you know, one of the two. And I think I ended up, that's when I shot 62 up. The first day I shot 40 up and he was like 44. And then the next day I shot, 22 or something like that, but it was uh it was a crazy weekend.
0: Uh, you've seen Old School, right? The movie. Oh yeah. Remember when he blacked out, Will Ferrell, and he answered all the questions right, and then he kind of woke up. He was
1: like, "What happened?
0: Is that what it was like at the end of the <laughs> tournament?" You were like, "What happened?" <laughs>
1: it was. It was. It really was. I was like, "Holy cow!" And people in my group. I remember a guy named Lester Hall. It was the last target that first day, and I just killed it. And it was like a 38 yard cinnamon bear and. I could see the 14, and he's like, don't do it. Don't do it, dude. He's like, please, don't ruin it. It's the best I've ever seen anybody shoot. Don't ruin it. And I was just like, no, I'm doing it. And I freaking stroked it. I didn't even know what I was doing, man. I was just – one of those days and weekends where, it's like, you can't do anything wrong. Like, every decision I made was right. And break low and I'd have a yard too much. It was just everything hit the middle. It was like, well, take it when you can get it. But I would, I would literally – pay such good money to do that shoot with those people you named specifically one
0: yeah it would be interesting and I don't you know I I think that um when you talk about how good someone is and you know I'm trying to keep this as general as I can um and obviously I'm a Levi Morgan fan and uh, and and I'm not a I'm a fan of the other guy too but the fact is is you've won more in a season than most people have in their career a lot of people and I just don't think people realize that, especially guys not into tournament archery. What were you, 13, 13 years in a row? Uh, ASA World I, Champion, I won 12, something like
1: that? <laughs> I won 12, 12 years in a row. I won Shooter of the Year in ASA, yeah.
0: So, yeah, it's pr- pretty yeah. amazing. Well, on that note, um, why, since we you, everybody's got your pedigree and you, know, you shit little golden diamonds, um, let's talk about tuning because I... <laughs> people ask me all the time about tuning and i i uh man i i would say most guys that i know tune the same way that that came up back in the in the day we're all about the same age plus or minus a few what what? how old are you now 33 i'm just kidding i got 11 years on you fuck i'm old but we all kind (laughs) of learn from the same same thought press same methodology there's 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 lots of ways to skin a cat, but there's really not that many ways to tune a bow <laughs> correctly or tune an arrow to the right. bow. Um, yep. So my first question would be, do you tune your arrow to your bow or do you turn your, your bow to your arrow? Uh, meaning do you just set up your bow, get everything right and then start dialing in your arrow with your bow set up and try not to mess with your rest too much or how, how do you go about doing that?
1: Yeah, I don't like to, me- I don't cause there's normally like an, a specific arrow setup that I want, you know, whether it be for tournaments or hunting. So there's like a general weight that I want, and diameter and vein setup I want. So I don't really use my arrows a lot to tune, and it's kind of a last resort, you know. If I can't get it to tune by doing stuff to the bow, then then I'll go to the arrow. But that's the last resort because that's pretty much what I start with is my arrow. Like, what do I want? what is my goal? So I will adjust my poundage and, you know, the way I rotate the cams and everything to fit my arrow. So I, I really tuned to my arrow setup that I'm trying to get and the speed I want that arrow going and all that. So, um, and I also don't like to move my rest very much either. I don't like to, you know, used to, we had to tune, sometimes our arrows was sticking straight out of <laughs> the bow. <laughs> we were like an inch and a quarter off the riser and crazy stuff, but, um, I don't run into that a lot anymore, but I really don't like moving my rest a whole lot. So I, I'll tune, you know, with other ways. Um, fortunately nowadays the bows don't have a whole lot of string travel. So you don't, I mean, if you set it up correctly, you don't have to move a whole lot on them.
0: And and that's kind of what I was getting at was moving the rest left and right. Like what I, what I tell people when they're setting up, um, a specific bow um, uh, or specific, they're getting a new bow, and they, they, what arrow should I get? I say, all right, what, what kind of speed do you want? You know, what are you going to be hunting? What kind of point weight do you want? After, out of all that, I can pretty much blueprint their arrow just because memorizing the chart. I'm like, oh, well, if you want 150 up front, um, you know, shoot a 50 grain brass insert, a hundred grain point. You're probably going to want a 400 spine. It's going to be around 27 inches, and that should. Yeah and I'll have them cut that arrow maybe an inch long fire a couple through paper make sure they're they're bare shafting through paper and then maybe cut it down or, or whatever to make sure they don't have to move mm. that arrow rest left or right and the other thing people seem to be afraid to do a lot of guys bottom their bow out and they just fear to god to take a crank off and it's like right. well you know, you're kind of picking fly shit out of chili you're you're not losing that much speed and you're getting, you know, potentially going to be gaining accuracy. Um, right. Do you, are you looking at things the same way as far as that goes?
1: Oh yeah. hundred percent. I, I will not sacrifice my tune for anything because with, especially in hunting, because broadheads mechanical or fixed, if it's not perfectly tuned, you are, you've got a nightmare on your hands past 20 yards, <laughs> you know? So, um, because those things are catching wind and if that arrow is not going, you know, in a straight line, then it's going to be planing all over the place. So, um, no, I, I don't sacrifice my tune at all. Now with field points I've found, or like tournament arrows, I've found that sometimes the bow even shoots better with a little bit of a tear. And I'm not talking about a lot, but like, sometimes I'll set a bow up I'm right-handed. So I'll set a bow up with a high left tear, like, or I can live with it. Obviously I try to get a bullet hole, but sometimes I've found, like, I can live with, you know, just barely noticeable high left, you know, because I know it's clear and everything because I shoot a blade. And then I'll make sure that that's not being caused by a bounce or by contact, vein contact with my rest or anything like that. And as long as I know I'm getting n- no contact, I, I can live with a little bit of a high left hair because um, it lets me know that everything's getting out of the way. And sometimes it'll force your arrow. To do the same thing every time. So, um, I've found that sometimes even those setups group a little better with a, with a fill point, but that's not what you want if you're shooting broadheads for sure.
0: And and I've always, and I don't know if this is, um, from back in the the day, like we we all, there, there wasn't really dropaways back then and, and just a lizard tongue, a a blade was, I think Trophy Taker had the first ones that really kind of took over the market. Um, yeah. And I would I would take one blade and I I'd, I'd usually snip it in half and then beef up um yeah I would basically micro tune the blades right if I had one mm-hmm. blade I and what what I would what I found is like a 16th inch or less um as far as the measurement if I had a bow square or a level I could, uh just slightly knock high would give me about an eighth maybe or an eighth heavy knock high or knock high left tear seemed to have better clearance, seemed to group better. Yep. And again, it didn't, wasn't for hunting, right? It was for targets, but the best scores right. I've ever shot were shooting just a hair knock high.
1: Same, same here. And a lot of guys just set their bow up that way, you know. And uh, from shooting the old apexes and stuff back in the day, I mean, you had to set those up knock high, period, because of the string travel on a, on a single cam bow. So, um, yeah, I mean, I got used to shooting a little knock high and then just found that, it grouped amazing with the competition setup, certain setups. And then, but now I, I, you know, a lot of my setups, I'll shoot a bullet hole out of, but if anything, it's going to be knock high to a bullet hole, you know? So, so as we're talking, I shoot a blade.
0: Yeah. And, and obviously if people don't know what a blade are, it's just a spring steel lizard tongue looking thing. And people shoot them for tournaments, targets. Some guys shoot yep. a blade drop away, which never made a whole lot of sense to me, but some people do that and have good luck with it, but I, 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 you know, when I shot a lizard tongue, it wasn't a drop away, it was just straight up lizard tongue. And I think that's the same system you shoot, isn't it?
1: Yeah, for tournaments, I, I, I've i always struggled with the drop away. I just, because out there, it seems like anything you can go wrong will, kind of like hunting too. You know, I just don't want, I want as little moving parts as possible. Um, and I'm just shot it since I was a little kid. I, I started out with like, a, I think it was called a tiger tough. <laughs> Lizard tongue, way back in the day. Yeah, that's what they're called. Those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And um, I, I've still got scars on my hand from it, from where those two screws in the bottom of it would hit my hand every time I'd shoot when I was little. It, but it was literally uh, like
0: a Spartan warrior, where the helmet dug into the side of their head. You could tell if a guy <laughs> shot a lot yep. of tournaments from that <laughs> fucking hole, right? Basically, for me, it was right where my my thumb kind of spun around on my left hand. In fact, I'm looking at; it, I still got a scar there. Yeah,
1: I'm looking at my scar right now too. Yeah, <laughs>
0: it's yeah, like there you go. a purple spot right on the top of my hand. So yeah. So as we're talking about this, um, I've been tuning a bunch of different bows and shooting them to do this bow review. What Levi and I are talking about here, like when you're if you're if you're, I'll bear shaft out to forty, fifty, sixty yards, and to be able to get a bear shaft to hit at that distance. There are certain things that, that you have to know how to do. And sometimes it's almost impossible. But with all these bows, I've been able to do that. Not Most of that's technology, in my opinion. The bows are <laughs> right. just better nowadays. If you have me trying to do that shit with command cams back in the late 90s, there's no way I was going to get the, the same type of accuracy I can now in tuning. But if I shot, for example, um, center shot and everything's correct, and I shoot a group... And in my mule deer target at 50 yards, I'm 10s and 12s. And then I shoot a bear shaft, um, you know, let's say, and I'm tearing. And and my impact is just to the right or to the left of that group with my bear shaft. All you got to do, you can take one full crank on or or take one crank off or one crank on. A lot of times one crank will put that arrow in your standard group from my experience it's it's that much will change that if you're only talking about 4 to 6 inches out to the left or right um what are you cranking tuning my limb bolts hmm. I'm taking poundage off or adding two do you do that when you're tuning do you, uh, when you, uh, is that something you'll do with a bear shaft or how do you go what's your tuning process
1: yeah i i will do that i i'll normally like if it's really minute. I might bump my rest just a touch. Um, but man, bear shafts are so finicky. Like you can chase your tail all day long, like for four inches at 50 yards, you know? So, but I like, but you can do it by taking a a half turnout or a turnout, or you can do it by bumping your rest because if you're bumping your rest to move it that little, like almost, you can't even notice that you bump your rest. So, I'll do it a couple different ways, but it honestly, some of my setups, I can't get my bear shaft to hit with the rest of my arrows at 50 yards. And like, I mean, that's a, that's a hard feat for me. I don't know if it's my draw length or what, but I normally at 20 or 30 yards, if my arrow hits the X with my, with my other shafts, I call it good and, and go, but I, I've had certain setups. I can get the bear shaft at 60 yards, you know, right in the dot with all my arrows. Um, and I don't know if that has to do with my draw length or what, but I've never I've never been able to consistently with every setup get my bear shafts to hit at that distance with, with all my other. I can get them really close, um, but it seems like there's just this certain spot where if I move it the tiniest bit, it's too much, and then I go back and it's right where I'm at. So it's like i got to live with one or the other.
0: It seems like anything below 28 and above 29 starts to go a little little barney um yeah and i think the engineers when they design them that's the standard draw length and i I shoot a 29 inch draw length and it it seems like uh anything under 28 and over 29 and anything under 65 or over 75 pounds and these are rough numbers things can go to shit pretty quick when you're talking about tuning because you're out of that kind of base blueprint standard size so i would I would think, because what's your draw thirty one or something?
1: Yeah, it's right at thirty one, and and so and I shoot hunting, I shoot like seventy eight pounds, and so that's that's pretty finicky on spine and everything. So it takes a it takes a little bit for me to get dialed in and tuned, and uh, so and I mean for tournaments, I shoot seventy two pounds. So at my drawing, that's 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 a lot on an arrow that long. So it can be real finicky at times trying to tune.
0: Yeah, And I, I mean, the arrows I just set up, I mean, I'm shooting anywhere from 75 to 82 pounds and I'm shooting 225 up front on those, mostly because I was too lazy to change out my components. So I had hundred grand right. components for my stick bow. And I'm like, oh, I bet I can get these to fly a hacked off three inches <laughs> and started screwing around with point weight and 225 <laughs> hit. Um, and I was able to get that same arrow to hit out of five different bows. Surpri- you know, surprisingly enough, plus or minus in bear shaft, but I'm in that, that correct wheelhouse. Now, I yeah. the, the way that I set my bow up, right, I, I, I shoot it a few times. I always get the string stretched in or seated. I set my my center shot up on my arrow rest. I set my knocking point up. I get my sight on there. I make sure my second and third access. I get all that dialed in. My cam timing uh, is on. And then that's when I start breaking down that, that arrow. How, how are you doing that kind of from start to finish what you're doing with your bow and your arrow, as far as tuning goes, not, not tournament hunting and let's say a brand new arrow, like gold tip just came out with some new state of the art shit that they want you to shoot. How are you doing that for your tune? What do you, what do you, what are you doing?
1: Right. So I guess the first thing I do is I would take and figure out what the overall weight I want that arrow to be. And, and so like, last year i wanted like a 475 to a 495 grain that was my target but like somewhere between 475 and 500 i think i ended up at 495 or something like that but so i would look at the grains per inch i would look um and so i would know how long it needed to be and then and how because and, i like to cut it as short as possible um as close to the rest as possible so i would figure out you know, I want at least 150 up front because I'll normally put a 50 grain insert into my or 50 grain weight in my inserts with a 100 grain broadhead. So I plus the insert, you're looking at you know 170 grains up front or 165. So then I would see what my my veins are going to weigh, um, my knocks, just kind of get all my components out so I know how approximately how long I want to cut this shaft. Uh, to, to meet my target weight. And then once I did that, I would build a couple with veins and, a, and then leave a couple bare shafts. And I'll take and add the the vein weight in electrical tape to the back of it. So I would wrap where exactly where my veins are going to be. I will wrap the electrical tape up and down the shaft until I have the exact same weight. So that arrow reacts exactly the same as my fletched arrows. And then I have fletched and um, I have, you know, my Bear shafts. So then I go to my bow and I'll set up my bow. One of the biggest things I started doing the last couple years, I really felt like made a huge difference for me with my bow setups from the get-go. I used to just tie my knocking point in and eyeball it to my rest through my burger buttonhole and just kind of go from there. So what I started doing... Like, I I would get one bow, and it would shoot and hold amazing. And then I would get the same model, but a different bow, and I could not get it to aim as well. And, And I just started thinking, what the only thing that I don't measure and do exactly the same from bow to bow is exactly where my knocking point goes. So I started measuring, so on these two cam bows and binary cam systems and whatnot, the stream pull is even there's no travel there's no single cam where there's more pressure in one place or the other so i wanted my knocking point i wanted the knock of that arrow dead center between those cams so i started measuring from my axle on both sides until i had that knock completely centered on my my bow on the cam system so it was an even pull at all times on that knock and so then i would tie that in accordingly and start with my knock dead center. Now, some bows, you can't do that because they put the grip in the center of the bow. And so that's why I've never liked that system. I like I like where the grip's below center um, so I can center my arrow because that's what I want the even um, the even pressure on with my arrow. So I started doing that, and I found that every bow I could get to feel the same. Um, then I would time it and then start tuning from there. And then I would shoot my bear shaft Get a bullet hole of my bear shaft at right out of the bow and make sure it was still a bullet hole at 10. And then I would pull in my, my fletched arrows and shoot. And most of the time, if your fletched arrow, if your, your bear shaft would shoot a bullet hole and my fletched arrow wouldn't, it was a contact issue. Um, so almost 100% of the time. But, but ideally, I'll start with my bear shaft and then move on to the arrows that have veins in them next. And then if, If it won't tune, I'll take, like, Tough actin tanaxin or Athlete's Foot Spray, and I spray my entire riser, I spray my rest, everything, and coat it with white powder, and then shoot it through, and you'll see where you're getting contact. Like, you'll see where those veins are hitting the side of your rest, if your rest isn't getting out of the way in time, or if it's touching your riser or whatever. So if you shoot a bear shaft through and it's a bullet hole, and then you try to shoot fletched arrows through and they're not, nine times out of ten it's because you're getting contact somewhere.
0: Gotcha. Now, for, for people listening in, like a lot of the questions that, that we get, generally I would say it's it's hard to, when, when a guy sends me a photo of his groups with his bear shaft, I can blueprint it off of a bow that is set up correctly. So I could say, oh, yeah, this is what's going on probably but if your bow's not set up correctly, uh, meaning your center shots off, or your timings off, or you got too much cam lean, or not—you know—depending upon the bow system, there's a lot more involved than just a "oh, you need to go to a 125 grain tip." Now, if everything's set up correctly and with what Levi just talked about, you don't have any contact issues, um, but you're not getting maybe the perfect bullet hole and it's a brand new setup you're not married to a broad head weight or a point weight that's when you can can potentially if you if, if it's way out of whack you can add or take away from the arrows point weight or component weight um or the arrow length. if if you're trying mm-hmm. to make it work um the problem with the, the ashby craze today is most pro shops well How many pro shops would you say are going to look at you like you got horns coming out of your ass if you wanted to shoot 250 grains up front on a compound setup?
1: Um, 90% of them, maybe more, maybe 100. Yeah, (laughs) it's just not
0: not common. And so most pro shops are used to 125, 100 grains up front and a standard RPS or standard component system of, you know, pretty lightweight, you know, 18, 24 grains, maybe up to 50. And that's where I think a lot of these problems are happening nowadays is uh, because of the Ashby uh, stuff and and even me. I mean, I shoot heavier point weight. If you – Archer's advantage isn't going to be perfect. Uh, A pro shop, a spine chart's not going to be perfect. You know, I I would say, um, you know, with a spine chart, if you're shooting – if you're Levi Morgan, you're hunting with 78 pounds – and 125 up front and a 30-inch draw, and you add 50 to 75 grains to that, you're dropping a minimum of one spine chart. But you're also mm-hmm. stepping out of most people's wisdom in tuning because they haven't messed around with that much point weight. Um, would you agree with that? And how, how much, sure. I mean, are you, what's your, what's your point weight? How much are you messing around up front with on your hunting bow?
1: On oh my hunting bow, my point is about 175 grains, but I'm at the bottom. Uh, I'm like, I'm as stiff as you can get already. Whether I shoot 125 grains or 200 grains, I can't go down anymore in how stiff my air is. So, I'm kind of limited at my draw length, too, and my poundage, um, because I don't have... I'm not like at a 400 spine where I can drop to a 250 if I put a 250-grain point up, you know. So, um I don't have as much room to play around with at my draw length as far as spines go because I'm I'm as stiff as you can get um, pretty much with with my arrows. Is that arrows. code? So I, <laughs> what's that? Nothing. Go ahead. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I'm running about 175 grains up front, which gets me to a, almost a 500 grain arrow anyway, and I've found that I can pretty much blow through anything I want to shoot at with that. So. I haven't really tried to go heavier because I just haven't needed to.
0: Now, when when you when you say you know you're you're as stiff of of, of a spine as you can get, which is generally there's some companies out there that do two and one fifty spines, but you're at a two fifty. But I'm imagining, yep. like you said, um, which is how I got three hundreds to spine fly out of mine with with an eighty some pound bow. I just cut it a quarter inch in front of the. The rest, right? Yeah. Like a lot of guys... That's right, yeah. Go ahead.
1: No, that's why I said a minute ago, I always cut my arrows as short as I possibly can. That's so I can put a lot of weight up front. Right, And,
0: and a, lot of, a lot of guys, especially newcomers, well, I'm shooting a 29-inch arrow. I'm like, well, how do you know it's 29 inches? Well, I got a 29-inch draw. Well, I got a 29-inch draw. I'm shooting 27-inch arrow, right? So it, it doesn't... Yeah. It's not... They're not. They don't marry up with each other all the time. You may end up shooting a twenty-nine inch arrow, but more than most likely, you you can go down at least two inches, inch and a half of your draw length, depending upon your arrow rest and your arrow length, to get it to fly if needed.
1: I shoot a twenty-nine and a quarter inch arrow, and I'm almost a thirty-one inch draw. No, I'm saying it's short. It's it's like it's as close as I can get without my insert touching my rest. Yeah, do you have one of those
0: days where you're really jittery and you got a big animal coming in? You're you're at the point where you almost can draw it off your. That is one thing I yeah. should bring up. Don't cut that thing to your rest because when you shit your pants one morning, you will draw that arrow off the bow. Um,
1: oh yeah, you, you need to give yourself a quarter inch. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, on on some of the issues guys have as far as um uh, things that maybe are overlooked um talk a little bit about knock pinch as far as how tight or loose your knock snaps on your your serving and as well as a, a d, what i call d loop pinch where um especially longer draws shorter axle to axle bows where you want to tie you know maybe tie little knots above and below your arrow, so you're not getting any pinch uh talk about some stuff like that that you've learned over the years of of tuning crises that were caused by your own uh own doing and didn't even know it
1: yeah, knock fit is really important. Um, so what I what I like to look for in a knock fit on my center serving before I tie anything in is I'll snap the knock on, and I want to be able to slide it up and down the serving pretty easily. Like I don't want to have to force it up and down the serving. If you snap it on and you got to like put like a pretty good bit of pressure to slide it up and down, it's too tight. Um, at the same time, I don't want it to just slide on its own either, really. Like, I don't want it to just snap it on there and all of a sudden it goes to the top of my center serving because it's that loose. Um, I don't want any play left and right. So when I snap that knock on and I start to wiggle that arrow left and right, I don't want there to be play where my arrow, you can see it move left and right. Um, that, there's too much slop in there. And thats I've seen some major problems come from that um so once and and what i do is i'll just reserve my center serving with bigger serving or smaller serving to get that knock fit perfect um now i pretty much shoot the same knock all the time and so um i don't have to go through all that trouble but at first when you're trying to find the right combination you might have to reserve that center serving to get it to get it perfect um but then once i have that done I will, um, sorry, I'm killing a spider in my office. Um, once I have that, I'll, uh, what I do is I tie in the top side of my knocking loop. I I measure, get the the dead center between the cams, and I'll tie in my top knocking loop knot against my knock. And then I tie a soft knot under my knock, um, because I want it to push up on my knock when I start to pull back. So, I only tie a soft knot under my knock. Um, just, uh, I'll wrap like four wraps and then I'll go back over itself and then I'll tie it off and burn it. And then I tie my and loop underneath that. So, I have a soft knot under my knock uh, but not over. So, what I found that does is as I pull back, it puts a little up pressure on the knock, which forces my the point of my arrow down into my rest a little bit. So it keeps that pinch from happening where you get that lift about three quarters of the way back. If, if you pull your bow back and you see that arrow lift up off the rest about halfway to three quarters and then set back down, then, then you've got knocked pinch and it's going to cause nightmares for you on impact and accuracy. So uh, that's kind of my setup for everything. And, and You can still get knock pinch if if you, um, even with that setup, if it's too tight. I like to leave not so much where I can wiggle it up and down, but I want it to not be super tight because as you pull back, it just pinches more and more and more. So if if it's a little bit loose when the bows relax, it is going to tighten up when you pull back. It's not going to be loose at full draw. So it's going to be the same every time when you shoot it. A good way to test Two is if you have a fall away, to put your arrow on the rest and then drop. Look, with my QAD, I can drop the fall away when the bow's relaxed. So I'll drop it and make sure that arrow will slam down against the shelf. That may, lets me know I don't have a lot of pinch. Your arrow should, at relax, should lay on the shelf of the bow without wanting to sit up off the shelf. If it's sitting up off the shelf and there's the rest isn't engaged, then you've got it way too tight. So. That's kind of a few ways you can eyeball it and see um, if your knock fit and your knock and loop and all that's tied in correctly.
0: And, and there's a lot to this. One of the things that I kind of laughing at my, my buddy over, um, he was missing animals uh, high a lot. This was several years ago. And what we noticed when you're talking about the drop away is we, we dropped the drop away and his arrow would fall like it should be. But when he had an animal in front of him, he probably put 20 pounds of extra torque on his pegs when he was drawn. Mm-hmm. And so after he missed a couple, I was like, man, go to full draw. And we test it. And i be like, man, draw a little harder. And then, man, his arrow would shoot straight up and bounce off his sight the moment he put more pressure um, on his draw cycle, meaning against his pegs, There was he was just right at that moment. So I'm sure with an animal in front of him, he was drawing the limbs off that thing. And then it was causing Mm -hmm. a knock low, very high impact, meaning over the top of the back of four elk that year, if I remember correctly. And that's a lot, you know, what what I ended up doing with that specific bow is I actually tied a nail knot above and the D loop below. And I butted the D loop ends together and that fixed that problem immediately. And that is a solution for some people that for sure back in the day everybody used to do is how i used to shoot my steps so i tie my d loop together and then my knock would snap above those two d loop knots and then i'd have a nail knot above that and and that may not be the best solution but that is a way to troubleshoot things have, have you had no, luck with that
1: yeah that's for sure that's a great solution that's a great way to shoot a knock and loop too uh, I, I don't, I just don't have to do that, but a lot of guys do it anyway. I mean, it's not a, I don't think there's any pr- or cons to doing it that way. That's the way we grew up shooting. That was When I first started shooting a loop, that's how I shot it, you know? Um, so that, and honestly, now I think a lot of it too, is your loop material that can cause this. Some of the loop material out there is way too big and way too stiff. And so like, you got to be careful what loop material you use because, if your loop material is huge and stiff, it's very unforgiving. Like when you move your release, it moves your string. Like I don't want that at full draw, <laughs> you know. So, um, yeah. man, archery is pretty technical when you start breaking it down, isn't it? It it certainly can
0: <laughs> be. Um, I mean, I've got a stick bow too, and even that can be. If you if you actually can hit what you're aiming at, it can get pretty technical. If you can't hit a right. stop sign at twenty yards, probably not overly technical. But um, the more accurate and precise you want to get the more technical it can become and i mean i've had gillingham tell me to you know paper tune four dozen bear shafts and index them i'm like man i don't have time for that shit like are you out of your mind and he does and he geeks out on that but i've had such good luck with the consistency of 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 the arrows i'm currently shooting but almost every arrow on the market today a higher end arrow that i don't have to index many and when i'm when i'm group tuning you know people so one of the things, I, I and I'm curious to get your take on this, for people that may have trouble, um, probably one of the most accurate ways I've found to sight in is shoot a horizontal line at 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, and your vertical line is not that important, meaning your left and right isn't that dialed in, but it's close. Just use half your brain, so to speak, shooting that horizontal line And then as far as your left and right, shoot 20, 40, 60, and 80 at a vertical line. So you're not worried about your height as much. You're just worried about your left and right. And when you're dialing in your height, you're not worried about your left and right. seems to help people hold better. Um, Mm -hmm. And have you ever messed That's what I had Amy do. Um, Do you mess around with things like that or like walk back tuning and some of the different things I hear people talk about?
1: Yeah, I did a YouTube video probably ten years ago on siding in with horizontal and vertical lines. It's still on our YouTube channel, I think, somewhere I, back there. I promise, in the I did not right.
0: copy that from
1: Levi. I promise, <laughs> I did yeah, that shit like it's ten years before. the best way to that. do it. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. it's the best way to do it for sure because you can focus on one thing at a time, and uh, you can you, those lines really show you even if you don't break on the line, you know exactly where you broke in reference to that line. So it helps me really fine tune. Uh, if you're shooting at a six inch dot at 80 yards, you you know you break at six o'clock X and hit 12 o'clock X, you might call that good. But at a line, you break just under the line and hit over the line, your mind instantly takes that as you're hitting high, which you are. So you can be way more precise with a line. Um, and that's exactly the way I do it. I normally don't even mess with my, um, left and right till I get, as long as I'm hitting the target, you know, pretty good. I, I won't even look at my left and right till I get out to 60, 70 yards. Then I'll shoot that line and then I'll just come back in and check it up close. Um, and then, uh, if it's good up close then I, you know, I know I don't need to mess with my second axis or my center shot or anything like that.
0: So when we're talking about shooting those lines, I uh I don't do not have the skill level of Levi Morgan. I'm shooting electrical tape at twenty and thirty. I'm shooting double mm-hmm. electrical tape at thirty, forty, and maybe fifty. And I'm shooting duct tape at sixty through a hundred, because I, I got to yeah. be able to see the shit right. Like <laughs> I got shooting yeah. at electrical tape at eighty, man, I can barely see it. And I'm like, oh, you mean like the rest of the planet? Obviously, I should have thrown some fine print in there. You, you gotta be realistic to how you hold. I can hold in duct tape at eighty for the most part, um meaning you know whatever that is, two and a half inches tall. like I can generally right. aim at duct tape and hit it. and so my 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 targets are um commensurate with my ability or my tape is. So when I get out there at a hundred hundred and twenty, I'm doubling up duct tape because I got to be able to my pin cover you got. You, your pin's covering a lot of stuff, and that's one of the things the horizontal line does help. Is you can see the left and right of your pin to make sure you're centered on that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so when for you're sure. when your pin size, what what pin are you shooting ten or nineteen thousandths, or what are you shooting for hunting and tournaments?
1: I shoot ten for everything, 10,000, um, thou, and a light, and if it's legal. Gotcha. That's because you're young. The yeah.
0: 10 aren't quite as clear as they used to be for me. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> but I, I think a lot of guys will do, you know, 10s uh, farther away and 19s up close or vice versa. If, if you're, you know, site company offers that. Um, right. The one thing I would say is I don't I don't like red pins. I'm a green, yellow guy. And people do get mm-hmm. worried about getting confused, but I stack mine green, yellow, green, yellow, green, yellow, all the way, all seven pins on my on my seven-pin bow. I don't worry about getting confused because I'm a pin counter. And I, I'll go from, if that if that thing's at 76, I just go from 80 and drop down. I don't go 20, 30, 40, 50. I start with my far pin and drop on the animal. Um, yeah. Do you do... Uh, I mean, are you doing three-color pins, two? I mean, how, how are you setting yours up? I
1: only use I only use two colors um, because I don't like a bunch of different colors. So I started years ago. I shoot a five pin on a mover, and I have for years. So my it's 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, and after that I'm moving it using my bottom pin. So I go green, green, red, green, green. So I always know red's 40, and it's just that, been that way for years. So I don't even have to think about it. Um, I know my top pin's 20, bottom pin 60, red's 40, and I know, so then I know uh, 30 and 50 are on each side of the red, and so my brain just knows that. I don't have to think, um, and I don't like a lot of colors. Red is terrible to see as far as it washes out really bad for me, like it, it like starbursts really bad, but I only got it on one pin, and uh, that's my 40, and I just wanted that contrast Uh, something completely different something you know doesn't even look close to green so I can really know where that 40 is at all times in my sight and so then when I move it I just know I'm using my bottom pin it just kind of keeps things simple for me Um, I used to shoot an 8 pin with like green yellow red green yellow red and holy cow dude I'd be at full draw going okay that's 80 70 60 50 right there you know so I just found that with a five pin and doing only one off color dead in the middle really helped me to simplify where everything was. But
0: so on that note, and I and I discourage people. I've shot seven pins for so long, I get screwed up when I go to five because I'll I'll pull right. up and be like 80, 70, Oh shit, nope, sixty fifty four. And because I'm used to the seven pins, but right. I I I. I generally try to get people to shoot a 5-pin because 7, there's a lot of clutter. I just got used to 7. Now, if a guy, when you know, when you say a rover, like my 7-pin, my 80 is my rover. Um, right. I think Gillingham got this thing going where he was making his center pin his rover. Um, might not have been Gillingham. He gets blamed for a lot of stuff. But if you're going to make your center pin your rover, so let's say your 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 40 is your rover pin – I would strongly suggest to do what Levi's doing and make that bad boy red or the off color uh, because I've seen guys try to make that center pin their rover and forget which one, you know, when they're shitting their pants Mm -hmm. and use the one above or below it as their rover. So if you're going to use your center pin as your rover, follow definitely follow what Levi's doing and make the red one your rover or you can get screwed up. Yeah,
1: for sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great idea because you're centering your housing and it just feels more natural, but at the same time, I've done it where I use my bottom pin as my mover for so long that I know in the heat of the moment I would revert right back to that, so I'm not even going to try to change now. <laughs> you shot at its feet. Right, the same reason uh, yeah. you used a 7-pin. Well,
0: I tried a 5-1 year, and I had a bull come in to 40, and uh, I didn't get a shot, and he ran out at 78, and, I, uh, you know, which I just, you know, put my 80-yard my pin right at the bottom of its body line, which I did, except it was my 60 pin. And I shot right. like by his feet, and I'm like, okay, this was a bad idea because you, you go with what you know. Your brain reverts back yeah. to what it's comfortable
1: with. For sure, for sure. And then that same is like my dad can't shoot multiple pins. Like he shoots a single pin. A lot of guys do. I would have an aneurysm if I had to hunt with a single pin, like having to move it that much there is no way I could kill anything with a single pin. <laughs> I just, I couldn't do it. I need, if it's within 60 yards, I I want to be able to kill it now. Like I don't want to have to let down and move my pin because uh, you know, when you're hunting these things in the rut, it's like, they're never stopping. They move elk are coming. They're walking. They don't just stand there and let you range and move your sight, pull back and kill them most of the time. So I, I like a, I like a five pin at least on a mover. So
0: Man, is there any other because we're getting close to an hour here. Is there any other maybe highlights on tuning or things to think about for for listeners diving in? You know, as, as far as just general tuning things of like, hey, dummy, just do this and simplify their life.
1: I've got, we've got a product coming out. that's going to really simplify people's lives. Um, but it's not out yet and I can't tell you about it, but it's going to really change. That's some, (laughs) that's some bullshit. Where's the fun? I can't tell you about it. I can't tell the podcast about it. Give us the exclusive information. (laughs) Uh, when will it be ready? um, we are in the final stages of testing right now. We've been, you know, making several of them and, uh, just trying to get everything perfect before we, we put it out there. But it's just something that's annoyed me my entire life, and I've always kind of fixed it, just kind of rigged it up. But this is an actual product that can really fine-tune some things. So um, I'll tell you as soon as you end the podcast, and we, I can send you a couple to test. But uh, honestly, no. I mean, one of the little product things that, not to push a product, but it really has kind of made a difference for me, um, is that, Little nose button, uh, the the bowmar nose button thing, and it's because I always tied like a soft knot when I'm trying to anchor, um, and I because I wasn't ever a fan of a kisser button, so I always tried to tie a soft knot so I could feel it with my nose because I have a real bad habit of pulling out of my teeth at full draw, and so that little thing has just made a, a big difference for me and a lot of guys that you know, I compete against are starting to catch on to it, that it's not a gimmick. And so a lot of the guys shooting on tour are starting to use that little thing because it is like instant, precise feedback on a, on a, you know, your point of anchor. So, I mean, that little thing's not really tuning, but it has made a big difference in, you know, let's
0: how- break this down more, not to interrupt, but I get so much, like I got a meme with a dildo on the nose button with you touching your yeah. thing to a rubber ding-dong, and I'm <laughs> like, guys, it's not anything new. He just made it easier to tell because it has spikes on it. And and yeah. Bomar's got a lot of people to follow him. He's got a lot of guys that dislike him. I get along with Josh. Now, Yeah, I personally don't have an issue centering my peep and my housing. I'm glad you brought this up because I can't – I try to tell people if you don't need it, Don't put it on just for the hell of it. But if you are constantly chasing your pins, you need a nose button. And when I say that, because I'm going to have to put one on Amy's bow, you shoot on Monday, you're four left. You shoot on Tuesday, you're in the center. On fucking Thursday, you're two inches right. You're not centering your peep and your housing together, and a nose button is huge for that. The thing with the BOMAR button, it's got spikes on it. It's hard to feel a soft knot with your nose, especially if it's cold and you got snot and shit dripping out. I put one on my bow to see. You You can't mistake that spike. You know it's poking no. you in the nose. Would you... Yeah. I, I would say a lot of people, 90-plus percent of people chasing their pins, 99% a nose button would fix their issue because they're not seeing their peep in their housing.
1: Yeah, 100%. And and I didn't. I don't do that in practice. Like, I... Have no problem centering and shooting in practice. When I do it, it's under pressure, and I started noticing it mainly in Vegas, um, in that shoot off, because you feel everything. Like it's like the pressure is real, and it's over and over. So, like shooting at a deer, you only shoot one time, or an elk, or so you don't really get to pay attention to what you do wrong, right? So, um, like you just shoot a foot left <laughs> at 80 yards, and you're like, <laughs> crap. I What did I do? You know, um, and, uh, but in Vegas, you miss and then you got to pull back and deal with it again. And you miss and you got to pull back and deal with it again. So you start realizing, oh crap, I'm not, I'm starting. So what I noticed was I would anchor and like I was so nervous in those shoot-offs, I would see my housing of my sight start disappearing in one side of my peep. And I realized I'm starting as my shot's about to break. I want to be out from under this pressure so bad that I'm literally pulling my head away from my peaks. And so that's when I started about three years ago trying to tie soft knots and things I could feel to keep consistent pressure. So I knew I had to stay centered in my sight. And that's when Josh, you know, sent me these prototypes and it instantly made a difference for me, not in practice, but when those moments happen where it's like now or never and your hands are shaking and your heart's beating a hundred miles an hour. to so let me know that that familiar feeling when that spike touches my nose in the second that it's not touching, you know, it like it's, it's so obvious that you can't just pull away and that pressure be gone and you not consciously realize that you are, you are screwing something up. So it's really helped me just in those moments where, like when I had to shoot that 14 the other day to win, like a do or die arrow. Um, where normally I, you know, where I'm nervous and a lot of times in the past, I, I catch myself pulling away or just miss left and right. Um, and I really think it had a lot to do with not centering in my peep in those moments. So that, that little thing has really helped me a lot, um, under pressure. Where, where it'll help other,
0: other people. Now I set my peep height up at 40 yards personally. Yep. Um, yep. now by shooting Vegas, which I don't plan on doing because I don't like people and I certainly don't like standing right beside them for that long. But if I did, <laughs> 20 isn't as bad. But when you start, well, up and down hills for one, but longer distance, I always tell, you know, you're, you'll creep out the bottom of your peep and you'll see a guy's mm-hmm. pin gap and it looks like some dude from Arkansas, right? Like 20 through forties pretty good. And then next thing you know, eighties dropping twice of what 60 to 70s gap is. Well, yep. he's creeping out the bottom of his peep badly, and that nose yep. button will solve that as well. Um, yep. Your subconscious is, and, and your conscious are really can be real dicks um, as far as what your mind's doing, and you don't even know. And you could be telling yourself you're centered, your peep and your housing are centered. And I can, you know, if you could take a snapshot through someone's eyeballs, the top third of their housing is gone. Because they're creeping out yeah. the bottom of it. And at long distance, that's where a nose button really, wh- what I've seen guys, will really help them quite a bit and, and get their pin gap back to normal. Yeah, of what I call it should
1: be. Because what you do is you pull back and you center, and then you think that you're just going to stay there. But what happens is you fade. As that shot starts to break, you start fading out of center. And you're not, it's so slow and so small, you don't realize it. But just because you start centered, whenever you get to that long distance, it's uncomfortable in your anchor. So you go back to what feels right and you start fading out of that peep. I did it. And I know how hard that is. Like it's almost impossible to stop it. You have to, and if you don't have something that you can feel, it's so hard to just consciously sit there and go center your peep. If you're having to say, tell yourself the whole shot process to stay centered, you're not focused on what you need to be focused on. It's, uh, it's a really hard thing when you start going from 20 to 100 yards because and and that's what you made a good point you set your peep at 40 and I think a lot of people need to hear that because you want to set your peep at a middle ground. You don't want to set your peep at 20 yards and then go out and plan on shooting an animal at 100 because it's going to feel terrible. I, so I, you want to set your peep at 40, 50 yards, something in the middle range of where you plan on shooting something at
0: most of the things like giving credit where credits due, I'm copying this shit off uh Tony Clem or Bill Palagrino or Tipton Cook right like all t- t- right. T- Tony Clem's the one that you know shooting so much field in Reading. uh I was dropping out the bottom at, at 80 and he was like said the same thing he's like well man your brain's screaming shoot shoot and you're doing everything you can to pull away from the shot and you're you know, or you're just settling in more and more and more and going lower so he 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 was the one that had me set my pea pite at 40, which made a huge yeah. difference hunting because, you know, you're bearing down on your your nose anyway because you're shitting your drawers and wanting to get this arrow off. And, and it makes a huge difference. Um, Man, w- one other thing, because about 14 people messaged me about this in the last literally 24 hours. They were like, hey, do you focus on the sight or do you focus on the, the target? And, of course, I gave my answer and they said, well, Levi said this. And I'm like, well, I know damn good well Levi and I aim the same way. They were trying to say that you concentrate on both equally, and and maybe you do. I concentrate more on the target, and I I'm cognizant of my pin and where it's at, but I can't. My brain will not concentrate on both equally. Are you able to no. concentrate on both? Because I'm like, if he can, maybe that's why he's Levi Morgan. Because I can't do that shit. I I can't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't even think that humanly possible to be honest um you'd have to go back and forth because i concentrate on the target um and and like i know a couple guys that concentrate on the pin but that's only indoors you know because you can see the spot in the background um i shoot so many different things i have to concentrate on what i want to hit um and the pin is just kind of there in the foreground but um i I might have said something that confused people along the way, but, yeah, let this just be the the unconfusing statement. I don't focus on both. I feel like – I don't even know. Is that possible to focus on both? Well, the guy asked, and I
0: went out and put in a Reinhardt 18-1 and one at, like, 120 at my house. And you know how I am, right? I'm like, yeah, well, he's full of shit. There's no way his brain <laughs> is letting him do that because I, I just – you, I, well, Frank and I were shooting, what was that, probably three years ago? And I think you asked me um, something about, you know, keeping my pin a, in a dot, like a softball at 80. And I'm like, Frank, my pin's not keeping in a softball at 80. I'm just letting her float, hoping for the best and, and burning a hole into that target. I'm looking and my, my the arrow just tends to go where I'm looking, but I'm not holding exactly as tight as my groups are when I'm shooting good that's just your subconscious or conscious or how the hell all that works. I just let her float and and I'm cognizant of the pen. Uh, and I would assume you're kind of the same thing. You can see the pen, but you're not focusing on the pen.
1: Right. Yeah, I can see it. It's, it's there, but I'm not, if I stare at the pen, I'll start, it, it's probably not going to be where I want it. So if you look in the middle, you know, your subconscious will always bring your pin to the middle. You know, it'll move away, come back, move away, come back. And that's how you can, shoot really well while you're shaking. Uh, Which is also how like people I did the other day. shoot
0: an animal in the horn, is they're looking at <laughs> the horn. <laughs>
1: <Exactly>. <laughs> oh, man, we got a show this year. Somebody shot a deer in the horn. One of my buddies, and killed it. It glanced off the horns and hit it in the heart in Texas. It was the most incredible thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, uh, how dude, big a so, buck was be it? Un- it was a nice deer, super nice, and uh, sparks flew and everything. It was pretty crazy. Did he
0: say he planned it like that? Was it like that Larry Bird, Michael Jordan commercial? I meant to do that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he goes, <laughs> it's, uh, it was, I'll, 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 I'll call him, it was Austin Land. It was uh, uh, my buddy Austin. <laughs> he, he His family runs Wild Country Outfitters, but he went with us to Texas, and he shoots it and he's like one of the funniest guys ever. And he shoots, he goes, oh, I hit it in the horn. And it runs over there like 40 yards, stops, and falls over dead. And he's like, but I killed it. <laughs> 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 he had no idea what happened. And afterwards, we slowed the footage down, and it hits the horn, turns the arrow right into the heart, dude. It was insane. I've never seen anything like it huh yeah
0: that is wild but yeah it does go to show you hit where you're looking a lot of times and when you see guys flinging arrows through the middle of the rack well that's because they're looking at the rack you know and and it's hard not to i I mean i whatever's wrong with me i don't get nervous anywhere except in a tree stand you get a big buck coming from 400 yards out if it's quick it's not bad man you would have laughed last year there was probably a one I mean, we figure around 180 whitetail, and he was coming through a bean field, and I was in a stupid ladder stand. And you know that thing that flips up and over you if you're a gun hunter? Oh, uh, So yeah. we had that strapped to the tree, and my leg was shaking so bad, it was starting to go, <laughs> when he was like maybe 200 <laughs> yards out. And I'm like, you know, I'm talking yeah. to myself. I'm like, Snyder, what? It's a fucking deer, man. Calm down. So I pinned the stupid thing against with my knee to try to push yeah. it to get it to stop creaking or, 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 you know, whatever popping back and forth. But I mean, trying to, you know, that's when guys forget to look through their peep site and shit. I mean, all kinds of yep. stuff happens when animals come in and even guys that are, have shot a lot. I mean, some, there's certain situations, adrenaline gets a hold of you. It's hard to control.
1: Oh, no, no question, man. And that's my, like some guys that just don't shake, you know, they get nervous, they deal with it. And I, I'm dude, I convulse sometimes like, and it's all whitetail. like if you gotta sit and watch something come forever and you don't know if you're gonna get a shot and it's been a grind and like this is your only opportunity. like you can work yourself up. and i've I've had it where I've had to sit down and shoot them because like my knees were like literally giving out. I was so nervous. So yeah, you do that a few times. you you figure out what you do wrong. Well,
0: and again, I don't use the nose button. I'm not paid by Bomar, so anybody that's gonna give me shit, you can fuck off. That nose button will help fix a lot of that because it at least gives you a memory to look through the, you know, a feeling to at least help you look through your peep sight because you got a spike sticking through your nose because, man, whatever it is with whitetail, and Frank, you haven't shot one standing up, have you?
1: I've shot like one or two, yeah. Yeah,
0: Most of them are sitting.
1: Well, I thought that's what you were supposed to do. I'm like, do you guys stand when you shoot these white Le- tails? So you're
0: like, what? Dude, so, <laughs> Levi, the first time Frank got in a tree stand, so you got to figure Frank has mountain hunted, no fear, lightning, pulmonary edema. He looked like a cat shitting peach or shit, a dog shitting choke peach seeds. I mean, white knuckled, and you had that was that tall stand too, wasn't it? Yeah, they
1: put me in the tallest stand. <laughs> I'm like, hey, can I uh, can I trouble you guys for a harness, maybe? <laughs>
0: <laughs> he but Frank's Mexican, he looked like powder when we were walking away up in that. <laughs> uh but you're uh, used to it dude. now. I mean yeah, you, you more gotta, than I was, yeah. Uh, he just wasn't used to being up in the tree that high and man, I we're drifting off here. Ryan Avery, right? Not exactly the pinnacle of fitness. It's about five six and two forty. He sends me into this tree stand in Idaho for for elk. And he's like, man, it's kind of hard to get into. I think each tree step was seven foot apart. I don't know how his fat ass even set up to stand. And then I get up there. It's like 30 <laughs> feet high. And I didn't, like an yeah. idiot, I didn't bring a harness. I got 550 cord out of my pack to tie my fat ass to the tree because I was so nervous. That high in the tree stand. I don't even know how he got up there. And it was on like a 30-degree oh. slope hill. So it's like... If I fall off on the left side I'm gonna die. If I fall off on the right side, I'm just not gonna be able to use my arms and legs, but I'll probably live. It was it was bad. And so that that can really screw guys up getting in that tree stand and then making a shot, not coming out of the top of their peep or shooting high. I mean, there's a lot of lot of stuff goes into
1: that. Yeah, for sure. I mean I kinda I guess what I grew up doing, so that's how I learned to hunt. And then I I went western hunting later in life and you guys are kind of the opposite of that so i, I totally get where that is it gives people trouble but i mean anymore we use lifelines because i like to hang high like i like hanging 25 to 30 feet you know and so we use lifeline so you hook in at the ground and you ain't got to worry about it again you know so um it takes a little bit of the 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 fear out because i, I wouldn't get in most of my sets if i didn't i mean that's just dangerous <laughs> plain and simple
0: <laughs> I, yeah i i gotta get better about wearing a tree stand for or a, a harness i'm i'm bad about that i don't worry about it in ladder stands so much but um right i've climbed in some lone wolves and whatever uh, summits and some of those tree stand like a lone wolf you're not gonna fall asleep in one of those summits i think it's, it's called a summit Jesus. Yeah. I'll fall asleep in that thing. It's got that suede seat. Uh, like it kind of. Yeah. Di- Man, that'll rock my ass right to bed. I And that's when yeah, I get. Yeah, millenniums are
1: that way. Maybe that's yeah, what. Yeah, millenniums are super comfortable. Like they got that. It's almost like a lawn chair seat in them, dude. That, and it kind of th- fits you back. Yeah. Oh.
0: That was it. It was a millennium. Yeah. It it was that same material, and I got up there and looked, and I'm like, man, I better stand because uh, I didn't sleep that good last night, and I'm fall right out of this thing. But I uh, yeah,
1: I normally I don't sit down a lot when I'm deer hunting, especially if it's like good, like good, good hunting. Like if I ain't seen a deer in four hours, I might sit down. But like first two or three hours of daylight, I'm standing, and last two two or three hours, I'm standing. Um, I just I don't know. I'm paranoid and. I'm I'm not a little guy either, so it's hard to, a lot of times, they sneak in on you to get stood up and pulled back without them seeing you, so.
0: Man, that crazy-looking buck I shot last year with the, the wizard hand or whatever, the acorn tip yeah. buck. Yeah. Dude. One, I hiked in with Sitka Blizzard parka bibs on, sweating balls, right? So, I'm like fanning myself, you know, to try to get cooled off, and then i stood there for like 30 minutes and i'm like man it's early i'm gonna sit of course i've got my chew in one hand in my crotch my phone in my hand playing with facebook or instagram look no. up 19 yards he's coming in i'm like you have got to be shitting me <laughs> like i worse scenario <laughs> known to That's man but word. i yeah. and you know i'm literally you could have heard a flea fart right so the good right. thing was shooting a stick, well, I can snap off a quick shot. But that that you know, Alabama, I learned real quick. You know, them deer look up, and they look up all the time. It's not like a Kansas or an Oklahoma buck where they're they next. They don't look up very often in some states or some areas. Where yeah, those Alabama deer, man, they get hunted for five months straight. They take a step, they look up, they're like, oh, there's a fat dude. Like I'm like Jesus, I blinked. How they hear? How did see me blink? Those deer just yeah. cracked out, so it, it definitely made me a bit better in the tree stand, but it is pretty wild.
1: Yeah, those southern deer, man, that's where I grew up in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. They come out of the thicket looking up. Like, that's why I think that's why I just hang my stand so high anymore because I grew up that way. <laughs> if you can kill deer down there, you can kill them anywhere with a bow. They're crazy, and they jump the string like nobody, like nowhere else in the world. They will jump a string.
0: I, th- I think I shot 11 or maybe 17 or something deer that first trip, and I and I, I think 80% of them were in the spine. Um, yeah. And I finally started aiming. You know, Broderick told me, he's like, aim mid-body low. They drop into it. And the first one I did with that, I pinwheeled it. I was like, Jesus, those deer are quick. And, I, you know, I st- yeah. that was with a compound. You know, I came back with a stick bow, and then I really got my ass kicked. I had arrows that first night, if I had it was shooting nocturnals it would look like a city there was deer there was <laughs> shit everywhere laying in i was like man this is depressing
1: oh <laughs> uh, shoot that's funny yeah those deer like where we're going in mississippi it's funny like where we're gonna go in mississippi later this year on my lease over there or the club they're not that way you know i mean they're just like hunting the midwest here Um, then you go an hour away from there in Mississippi and they are, I don't know, it's something about being inside that levee. It's like a different world. You know, you get on that Mississippi river and if you're right on the river, it's just like hunting the Midwest. I mean, except there's more deer. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, Southern deer, depending on where you're at, they're literally cracked out big time, like hard to kill. Very hard.
0: Does that mean if I don't cuss and I'm a good boy, I might get on Bow Life TV? Because I think I screwed it up the first go-around.
1: Well, it wasn't wasn't anything you did other than you killed the first 27 minutes of being in Alberta, <laughs> and I wasn't there yet. <laughs>
0: yeah, I did screw that up. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I yeah, well, I don't feel too bad because at least you didn't bring the extra camera, man. I really would have felt like a dick if you brought him along, but I think you're sick.
1: <laughs> well, I appreciated it because you cooked after that
0: yeah well we ate my deer uh i remember that, that yeah that worked out good that's a cool that's a cool hunt i got a hunt up there this year playing but i think it's going to get screwed up because of covid i don't think they're going to open the border so
1: right that, that was a really cool place i wish i'd have been more patient there yeah well
0: you'd been on the road for a while though hadn't you
1: yeah i had and then the first what'll get me is when the first day slow and all these things start creeping in my head like oh You know, you better, it's going to be tough. You better, first good deer you see, you better shoot it. And then I see a decent deer and I talk myself into making a stalk just to see if I can get close enough. And then I get close enough and I kill it. And I'm like, why'd you do that? You know, (laughs) you should have waited. (laughs) Yeah, I,
0: uh, that it's, it's cool up there. I mean, it's hard to, uh, it's a hard hunt to not go on. Um, just the amount of deer you see and, and every, I mean, we saw a lot of deer that, that specific trip but it did start off a little bit slow but yeah i guess you said it i'm, I'm gonna get to hunt with the great levi morgan in in mississippi if i'm a, a good boy and, and shoot uh mississippi i've never shot a mississippi deer so i'm excited oh yeah you guys both can yeah, use trap bows box, whatever
1: cold bucks we can we're gonna go have some fun trophies i will shoot whatever, that place is special, man.
0: whatever you tell me to sir frank brought up a good point we should both shoot stick bows
1: hey you know what that being said, I want to talk to you about it. I want to kill a deer with a stick bow. I've never done it. Maybe we'll do it that week.
0: We should. That way all the people that give you shit that shoot stick bows, you can give them the big middle finger. And I've seen your hands. It is a big mid middle finger. Um, <laughs> and uh, you, whatever, get dialed in with a stick and shoot whack a dough or something with it. That'd be
1: cool. Yeah, I would love to do it. I just want to do it now because you've talked about it so much. I, I've i been waiting on you to, like, stop doing it so I didn't have to. But I guess since you are like, just going to keep on. I, I better just at least say I shot at least one deer <laughs> in my life with a stick bug.
0: Uh, I'll bring the compound, but I can't... I might black out, and then I come to and like Levi, my quiver's empty. I, I don't know what happened. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so i'll be like i do you just got me kicked off the club yeah. and shot four, 14 deer <laughs>
0: i had three in a row i couldn't say no but no i appreciate you uh inviting me on that man I, I uh that'll be fun and it's like a perfect time of year too so
1: yeah it'll be fun man it's one of my favorite places on earth so
0: cool cool well on that note um we should probably leave you alone it's been almost an hour and a half so i i appreciate you uh getting on here and everything you do for the the archery community and definitely people go check out the youtube page as well as your tv show i think you just went on uh, the outdoor channel as well so
1: yep yep tuesday nights at 10 thursday nights at 7
0: cool cool man well thanks again we appreciate everything thanks levi
1: thanks guys same to you yep take it easy